Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart. In the coming year, the 52-year-old Salisbury Symphony Orchestra will be looking for a new music director to replace David Hagee, who was with the orchestra from 1988 until this past season. Dr. Peter Askham is one of the music director candidates, and he's going to lead the first concert of the season, September 9th, at Keppel Auditorium at Catawba College. Peter Askham is a composer, conductor, and bassist. He's founder and artistic director of the Next Festival of Emerging Artists. He's also a director of orchestral studies at North Carolina State University and conductor of the Raleigh Civic Symphony and Chamber Orchestra. And he's our Piedmont Arts guest today. So welcome, uh, Peter. Thanks for talking to us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm just going to start with the uh, question of what uh, what attracts you to the Salisbury Symphony? What's your interest in being the music director there? Well, you know, there's a great reputation that the Salisbury Symphony has across the state. You know, I know many of the musicians in the state, and um, I've heard only great things about it. And that's been backed up by every single person that I've talked to that's involved with the organization. There's a passion there. There's a dedication and a kind of integrity that really appeals to me. And... Um, to be honest, kind of sets it apart from a lot of other organizations. And another thing that I found is that there's a real sense of adventure and looking forward to the future and an openness of exploring new avenues um, that really excites me. What would some of those new avenues be? Do you have any idea at this point? Well, I think that they're looking to the next music director for a few ideas. I know that they have some, but in particular, some of the things that I'm interested in are really embedding ourselves in the community. Um, I do a lot of programming that's very community specific. So I've done a lot of programming um, on North Carolina themes, for instance, and I really love getting inside what makes a particular place uh, that place. Um, I'm also really very passionate about education and about um, getting into the schools, working with students, demystifying it, and um, kind of blowing kids' minds, you know, with the sound of the orchestra. Um, so the, the sense of community, the sense of really being dedicated to education, not just as an afterthought, but something fundamental. And also just exploring the community together. I love working with partners. I often work with community organizations, uh, local nonprofits, those type of things to create programming that's very specific to a place and a community and a people and an ideal. I'm curious as to what some of the programming you've done that's been North Carolina-centric up to this point. Sure, sure. Well, I've been I've been doing a lot of programming up at um NC State and with the Raleigh Civic Orchestras, we've done programs, for instance, that Martin Luther King did a early version of the I Have a Dream speech in Rocky Mount, and they found those recordings in an attic. Uh, we got exclusive use of those, and we commissioned a new cantata based on that. Um, it was a multimedia cantata um, based on that speech, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience all the way around. We had some panelists um, who were specialists on that speech and and on um, Dr. King's legacy. Uh, some other programs that I have done, I've done a program on the history and the culture of the Blue Ridge Parkway um, and the Blue Ridge Music Center and all of the ecological aspects of that we did some great panel discussions and some beautiful music we commissioned a bluegrass viola concerto for that it's the first one i know of ever 
we've done programs on uh, North Carolina composers, programs on the importance of North Carolina watersheds, you know, so the importance of healthy ecosystems to uh, a community. And most recently, we did a very, very powerful program with two local homeless shelters in Raleigh um, for them, but also in the shelters and with some of the the, the members of, of that community as well. And that was just maybe one of the most powerful uh, concerts I've ever done. So reaching out and integrating ourselves into the community and doing things that might interest people who might not normally come to an orchestra concert, but also give new perspectives to people who would be at an orchestra concert. That's um, that's interesting. I, I hadn't really heard of anybody, you know, doing a program that connects you to your watershed for, you know. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And that speaks to, I think, the role that music can play in our lives uh, beyond just, uh, I guess, what we would think of as conventional cultural spheres. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like this is a an area where you do a lot of, you think about this a lot, apparently. I do. I do. And I don't know how much you want to get into, but um, I did a concert on the relationship between animals and the environment and human beings. And we partnered with some research scientists and they showed that when people were exposed to information in addition to music, like in the concert setting, they really processed that differently. So we we actually did hooked up some finger sensors to people and monitored them during the concert and during a lecture without music as well. And it showed that really people intake that information and internalize it. And it means so much more when they hear it in the context of a concert. And there's there's a whole list of scientists who I, I mentioned this to, and they said, well, when can we collaborate? <laughs> I bet. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people who have lots of interesting things to convey, but uh, getting it out there is the problem for them. And so, so music and the arts are a way into people's emotions and into ways of learning new things in a very personal way. When I ask this question, probably a lot of people are going to say, well, the answer is fairly obvious, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think, uh, having a symphony orchestra in a city the size of Salisbury brings that community? What does it do for that community? Not every town or city the size of Salisbury is going to have an orchestra. What's the unique role? No, absolutely. And I and I want to say not every community the size of Salisbury is going to have a group of that caliber and a group of that passion, ambition, everybody I've spoken with. Um, you know, there's studies that when they talk about quality of life and when you're talking about recruiting uh, for jobs, that having a symphony orchestra is one of the major attractions for great, great talent. Um, so that's, you know, just one aspect. It's it's the cornerstone of a community. It really gives the community something to rally around and done in the right way. Uh, it really is a source of pride and ownership for that community. You know, it, it really connects everybody in the community together. I remember when I did a concert in the middle of nowhere in Spain, um, and every single person in that small town came out, like including the pets and the kids running around and the people uh, in wheelchairs. And there was just a sense of everybody being there and united and experiencing the same magical 
um, time. So there's there's a sense of pride, there's a sense of place and and ownership. I think when something is really done right and really belongs to the community. Let's talk a little bit about um, the work you've done as um, the director, artistic director of the next festival of emerging artists. This is something that's your brainchild, I think, right? Did you start it? Yes, yes, yes. This is something that I founded. It's our 10th anniversary season this year. And it was really important to me to support young artists and kind of help them bridge the gap between what they learn in school and what really happens in the real world. And also to connect them to the people who are creating today. So the composers, the choreographers, the people creating art that really speaks to us in our time. So it's a program that's for early career artists. So string players, composers, choreographers, and dancers in their 20s who are bridging that gap between, you know, the end of school and um, the rude awakening of, of making a living in this crazy business. And it's turned into something just absolutely wonderful. Um, it really self-selects for musicians who are dedicated to contemporary music and to collaboration and also to putting their values in line with their art making. So there's a lot of young people who really, it's playing music is not just a question of it's fun, but it really fits into their worldview and their values and the things that they want to change in the world. Um, and that's been really inspiring to, to watch. We've had numerous nonprofit organizations come out of alumni. Um, we've had long-term relationships between composers and performers and um that's really been a beautiful outcome of everything. We play every year in New York City um, with great, great contemporary music artists and do recordings and, and collaborations. And it's that's just been uh, a real gift to see that come to life. And also the sense of community that comes around that. Um, it's very, it's very much based on a non-hierarchical structure. It's very much based on everybody who should be there can be there. Um, and so it's pay what you can. Um, everybody is there for the right reasons. Our number one commandment is no jerks allowed. <laughs> um, so 10 years, no jerks. is not bad, actually, if you know anything about music festivals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> that is impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we've done nothing else, that's my proudest accomplishment. You know, it's really about setting up a community that cares about each other and uh, is there for the art and not for some of the other reasons that people do things these days. Right. Well, let's talk about the program that you're going to lead on September 9th with the Salisbury Symphony. It's called A River Runs Through It. And um, I noticed that you'll be working with Tift Merritt, who you probably, I'll let you explain who she is, but she is a, a musician based here in North Carolina, really gifted person, but you can talk more about that. Um, but just tell us a little bit about the program and, and working with her. Sure. Yeah. So the program in general is all uh, themed around the idea of rivers, right? So every program, every piece on the program has a different relationship, tells a different story, tells a, an, about the connection between um, humanity and the rivers and the stories and the journeys and the the lives that intersect with that 
that river. Um, I'm particularly excited about working with Tift Merritt. Um, as you mentioned, she's she's from Raleigh. She's a North Carolina artist. She's a singer-songwriter, um, Grammy nominee, has been featured on you know many, many international um uh, honors and 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 programs. But what I really love about her is is I became a fan of hers maybe 20 years ago. Um, and I just happened to randomly get a mixtape with one of her songs on it and fell in love with this voice. I said, who is this person? Who is this storyteller? Who is this kind of human being who's really speaking to me? And um, are, I intersected with her maybe 10 or 11 times all around the country. I've seen her play in California and in Los Angeles and in Austin and um, in Portland, Maine. And then I'm when I took the job at NC State, I moved to Raleigh and there she was. And she's actually my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so literally I can walk to her house in in, in 90 seconds. We've t- we've tested it. But she's a beautiful, beautiful songwriter, pianist, guitarist who I have always felt long before I worked with her that has a real voice and a humanity. You know, she's she's very open and vulnerable and um, generous with the way that she creates music. Um, and she was working on a project going into some uh, North Carolina psychiatric institutions um, and doing research on the stories of the people who had been there. So for instance, in Dix Park in Raleigh was a major psychiatric hospital. Um, many uh, many women had been sent there in the 19th century. She went into the archives really found out about these lives and these stories and the the reasons that people were there and the lives that they lived and um, created this set of songs called The Other Side of Hungry River. And I was just so incredibly uh, blessed that she wanted to work with me to turn this into an orchestra experience. So she played these songs for me on just guitar and piano and it was magic and I got goosebumps. And then I was able to orchestrate these and put it on the palette of a of a symphony orchestra. You know, I mean, these are really epic tales that she's telling. Um, and that was just a, one of the highlights of my career. And being able to share that with the musicians of the Salisbury Symphony and the audience, I think is really special. Th- these are North Carolina stories that she brings to life. She's one of the most compelling and charismatic and empathetic performers I have I've worked with. I think it's going to be really, really special. And it, it really speaks to uh, her North Carolina background and the communities and the people and the stories that we all are surrounded by every day. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Are we going to say anything else? Well, there's, there's uh, lots of great music on the program. Um, like I mentioned, everything intersects with rivers. So we start out with the very famous piece by Smetna, uh, the Moldau, which traces from the very beginning of the river in in the Czech Republic, all the way down through the rapids and through these countryside scenes. It's very, very evocative. And you really feel like you're on this river. Uh, we're doing the, the, the other side of Hungary River with Tift. And then a beautiful piece by Jonathan Bailey Holland, who's uh, an African-American composer, was commissioned to write for the opening of the Underground Railroad Museum, which is on the banks of the Ohio River, which marked the, the border between the slave states and the and the free states. Uh, it's a beautiful piece called Halcyon Sun, written for that river and that that situation and that that border crossing. 
really gorgeous. Um, and then the last piece that we'll be doing is Schumann's Rhenish Symphony. It's his third symphony. And this was a piece of music that he wrote traveling along um, the Rhine River and the, the sites that are along that river and the lives that are along that river. There's a gorgeous, huge cathedral in the city of Cologne um, that he portrays in the fourth movement of that. And it's just awe-inspiring. Plus, all the trombone players are super excited about that because that's oh, yeah. <laughs> about as good as it gets for trombone. Um, so it's a great it's a great program to showcase what the orchestra can do. Um, it takes us on a river journey, kind of both metaphorically and physically. And every piece of the program is unique, but it also connects through these ideas of rivers and real community and communication. I, I'm really excited about it. Well, it sounds like a wonderful program, a great way for the Salisbury Symphony to start their season. And again, you will be leading them on September 9th at Keppel Auditorium at Catawba College. And Peter Askham, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and uh, talking about what you do, what you hope to do, and, and Salisbury and all of it. Uh, wish you well. Yeah, thanks so much. I can't wait to see everybody there at the concert. I've been talking to Dr. Peter Askim. He's one of the music director candidates with the Salisbury Symphony. And again, he'll be leading their concert coming up September 9th. For Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart.